Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you by Manscaped. Thanks to listener participation over the last several months, Manscaped has been kind enough to sponsor the podcast as long as people continue using our promo code SUNNYINKC to get 20% off their entire orders. So thanks to everyone who's helped us out so far. Uh, This is incredible. Check out this suggested intro for the ad read. With live sports being back, it's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. So our partners at Manscaped want to make sure your Nuggets are safe as possible when they meet the Clippers. Ah, what wordplay, that's great. But for real, it's been amazing to be partners with them. I've been super impressed with their products. Per their ad copy, Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their lawnmower trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code SUNNYINKC at manscaped.com and take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. It's freaking gorgeous. It, the the red and the yellow, like the way that it has the Chiefs colors, a lot of rings, you know, a lot of teams don't really get their colors to kind of show up in the ring. But I feel like it's a very Chiefs looking ring. It's just gorgeous. We got them and they pop. Those colors, they definitely pop. I, for one, really enjoy the engraved gold 69 on the side, which of course is a reference to the chief's first championship in 1969, but they just put 69 on there. There's just, they put a 69 on the side of the ring, which I think is just, I mean, that's, that's a masterpiece. Yeah. The whole thing is, is a work of art. It really is. It's got um, just a very modern. Every time I see a Super Bowl ring, I always feel like, well, this is the most extravagant this could possibly get. Right. Yes. Like, like it could, no one can ever top this. And then every year I look at the next one that comes out and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that's how you could top it. And this is no different. This one is the king of the crop until the next one until the next. And we should talk about that because I feel like we should, we should maybe make a pitch to design this next ring. Now for me, I really liked the, I, I totally liked the, engraving on the inside of the ring with the the different deficits and yeah. the final scores of all of our playoff opponents. But I think we could take in the next Super Bowl ring coming in 2021, I feel like we could take this humiliation to the next level. Now, okay. I'm all about, you know, obviously celebrating the first Super Bowl win and the second Super Bowl win. All right. But like, that's a little... I don't want to say it's tacky, but you can tell we haven't won one for 50 years, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, let's let's also put this Lombardi that we won 50 years ago on the ring that we mm-hmm. won this year, you know? And I feel like that's kind of, a, you know, that's that's kind of a new Super Bowl winner thing, right? Like, you're, you're kind of, I don't know, act like you've been there before, but, like, you don't need to waste space on the ring with, you know, honoring the 1969 season. And, and, you know, I mean, that's great and everything like that. It's all, it's all very cool. But next year, next year, we don't, I mean, you throw a 69 on the side anyway, just (laughs) you throw a 69 and 19 and a 20 on there, I guess. I don't know. Just, you know, pop the numbers on there. But I feel like we need to find a way to dial up the humiliation. I don't know if you saw Justin Reed, uh, the, our Texan safety had a very funny reaction on Instagram to this ring being posted. 
he uh, he responded to the you know NFL Instagram post, which had six different photos, I believe, of the ring. And he said, man, I thought this ring was really dope until I got to picture number five, <laughs> which is a picture Holy of the interior time. that had, yep. you know, Chiefs, yeah. Texans, uh, Titans, and Niners Chiefs, with yeah, all Chiefs the final 51, scores. Yeah. Texans 31, 24 <laughs> deficit in that game. So that's what I want from my Super Bowl ring, right? Like I want to dial up the humiliation. I, I want to have the scores from every game from the season on there, right? Ooh. Like I want to I want to show on there just how badly we humiliated everyone yeah. on our way to Super Bowl number three in 2021. What do you, you think know, about that? You know, it's going to be really confusing is if they don't include the 69 and they just have 19 and 20, then if you put 19 first and 22nd, it looks like you're saying the year 1920. And That's if you true. flip them and you have 20 and then 19, then it just looks like it's a ring for 2019. And where's the ring for 2020? It's, I, I don't know how they can, unless they have 2019 and 2020 on the ring as the full years. I don't think they can just do 19 and 20 and put them on there in a way that makes sense. Uh, well, they could put the little, you know, they could put the little, uh, the, the the little dash in there. Yeah. A little apostrophe in there, you know, to kind of space them apart. It's going to be really interesting because this ring design really went all out in honoring the past and honoring the fan base and honoring everything kind of ring adjacent. Yeah. But the next one, like we just did it. So yeah. like, you don't need to put 142.2 decibels on there, which nope. like, I mean, that's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool thing that we as the fan base did, but I mean, you don't, do you need to honor it on the Super Bowl ring? I don't know. I don't know. We I, didn't achieve it this year. Yeah. It was achieved years ago. It would be one thing if that was a record that was broken in 2019. I, I did think that was a little strange, but as we get more of these rings, as we collect more and more of them, we're just going to find more obscure things to put on the rings that we haven't included yet. So like next year, it's going to be like Mahomes 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards from 2018 and his MVP. <laughs> and then the year after that, it's going to be like a 22 game division winning streak. And like, we're just going to start throwing out there just all the stuff that the chiefs have accomplished over the years pretty soon by ring number 10, it's going to be like Jamal Charles had four receiving touchdowns against the Raiders <laughs> in 2012 or whatever it was. And we'll just keep, uh, we'll just keep dunking on everybody. Yeah. Four diamond cut sapphires in the ring to represent Jamal <laughs> Charles's four touchdown game against Oakland in 2013. That, I mean, I'm convinced that they come up with these ring designs first they're like, okay, this is how many diamonds we can fit in here. And then, you know, they go to the, the Chiefs PR guy, the stack guy, and they're whatever. What does this like, number mean? Okay, find the significance <laughs> for the number 39. And yeah. Chiefs, we'll throw it on there. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll make sense of it. And we'll make a tradition of it. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Manscaped and Sports Illustrated. I'm Austin. Hello, I'm Taylor. And we got a bang-up episode for you this week. Ladies and gentlemen, as we sit here recording, the season opener is only eight days away, which wow. is unbelievable. We've made it, Taylor. We started this podcast back in February. We've made it all the way to September. The season is just eight days away. Before we jump into this week's episode, we do have an announcement about next week. 
Uh, your normal episode drops usually on Thursday nights or Friday mornings, depending on when you're checking your content and refreshing your podcast feed next week. Pay attention, check your feed on Wednesday the 9th. We're going to try and record that episode early next week and get it out to you on Wednesday the 9th. That's going to be our season preview episode. We are going to have our special guest, Sam Hayes, our colleague at Sports Illustrated at Wichita Chief Sam will be joining us for that episode. We will break down our full season predictions. We'll get into Chiefs Texans, which is crazy to say. We're going to be previewing a game next week, Taylor. And so definitely check your feeds for that podcast on Wednesday the 9th or the morning of Thursday the 10th. Listen to that before the game. Get hyped. This week, guys, before we get into our game preview and we get into the regular season, we do have some news and we also have some mailbag questions. We wanted to go through the mailbag. We wanted to answer all the questions that we kind of have outstanding. So we're going to do our best to get to all of those. But first, Taylor. News, 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 news. So... Obviously, we already we we riffed a little bit on the Super Bowl ring design. The Chiefs got their Super Bowl rings this week, and man, they are gorgeous. We obviously we we kind of riffed on that a little bit. You know what we would maybe have done differently, but it was a a very cool ceremony to watch last night. And uh, any particular highlights for you, Taylor? <laughs> yeah, um, just just the celebration of the Chiefs is always something that feels surreal it has this whole offseason kind of to think about you know when they preview the season they say and for the Super Bowl champ Chiefs and then I'm like what do we oh yeah oh yeah we won and this was just another kind of highlight of that um obviously we got to talk about Frank Clark right he's amazing yeah we do I mean we talked about Frank Clark I feel like in in some ways we were the ones talking about this story uh, a couple of weeks ago, or uh, gosh, it's probably been a month ago now, when we were doing our Super Bowl episode. What is time? Yes, exactly. What 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 does it mean in 2020? When we were getting ready for our Super Bowl episode, I was going back and watching the uh, the Chiefs, you know, official game recap broadcasts where they were kind of replaying the season, their relive campaign, and they had Frank Clark on, and he made a comment <laughs> about how you know what finger I'm going to put it on, <laughs> and of course. Of course, he was talking about his middle finger. He didn't come out and say it, but it was obvious. What other finger would it have been? Exactly. And he did it. He actually got his (laughs) ring sized for and put it on his middle finger. Now, of course, in the official photo, you know what's funny? I have not seen any video. If you have seen it, definitely send it to me or or tweet it at us. I did not see any video clips tweeted out by the Chiefs official uh, Twitter account for Frank Clark. And I'm guessing that's because Frank Clark got a – Super Bowl ring for his middle finger. <laughs> it's incredible. You're probably right. I, I guess they were like, "All right, everybody, line up." Uh, Frank, a uh, can you can you put that on your right finger? And he's like, "Nah, man, I got this size for my middle finger. This is <laughs> this is going to be the picture." And then he just holds his middle finger up to the camera, and they're like, "All right, next, <laughs> just move along." Yeah, he's uh, he's a one of a kind guy, man. He's he's been he's brought a lot of swagger since the Chiefs brought him in. He's had a lot of pressure to perform given the trade value and the contract and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I liked the way that he was not shy about talking about the guy he replaced number 55 D Ford and how he's mentioned, like, I think three times in public, like, you know, 55 was offsides. We ain't going to have none of that this year and all that, you know, like he, he really leaned into that and he's a dog. He's, he's got an attitude that um, I've just, the defense is sorely needed and between he and the Badger, they've, uh, they've brought it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of he and the Badger, they were just uh, talking last night at the ring ceremony, sitting here with the homies, Frank Clark tweets, looking at our Super Bowl rings, talking about the next ring. Mm. So pretty soon, Mm. Frank Clark is going to have rings on both (laughs) Both middle fingers, fingers. yes, which will be just fantastic. Uh, I guess the other news last night, uh, Pat and Brittany getting hitched. Our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, proposed to his longtime girlfriend, Brittany Matthews. Uh, Yeah, I mean, since high school. And yes, I would imagine that that ring cost, I think the Super Bowl rings, the average cost for a Super Bowl ring is something like $33,000. Do you think that that engagement ring costs more or less than $33,000? Oh, man, that's a good question. It is huge. And I would imagine that with Pat being a newly minted 500 millionaire, that he spared no expense. So... 33,000 is a lot, but I'm going to take the over there. Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. I I don't know what a rock that size runs you, but it is a much bigger rock than any of the many rocks in each <laughs> of the Chiefs Super Bowl rings. I think that's probably that's probably accurate. Yeah. Good for him. Good for her. We're happy for the two of them. Yeah, great story. We're also happy, as Chiefs fans always, but we got some unexpected, some kind of unexpected news just out of the blue earlier this week. Big news. The Chiefs extending Brett Beach and Andy Reid, both of their contracts through the 2025 season. Andy is currently 62. Brett is 42. So that, that's going to put Andy and KC under contract through his age 67 season. You know, people have talked to Andy a lot recently about retiring. I think both before and especially after he won this, his Super Bowl. And six years from now, he will be the age that Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll currently are at 68. So, like, people need to table this retirement talk for him for a while. Yeah, absolutely. He signed the long extension. He's only 62. That's not ancient in coaching years. He's getting up there. But it's certainly, if they're asking Andy, they should be asking everybody older than Andy every day also. And they're not. So, I just feel like like we can kind of put that to bed for a little bit. He's clearly... Um, extremely excited more than, you know, more. he talks about all the time how excited he is. And it's just so to, to have the three men most responsible for this championship all locked up for that long is just such a relief and such a blessing as Chiefs fans. I, I couldn't have been more excited, not only that they got redone, but also Veach, who as we sing his praises every week on this pod. He is the man as well. And getting him for at least six more years is uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it is. And it really, it just, as with every other piece of major chiefs news this off season, <laughs> it kind of flew under the radar. I mean, it yeah. just like, just kind of happened. We saw that it was being rumored, you know, earlier this week and then it was done and, you know, here we are. And, we have talked about several times on this podcast, you know, trying to read between the lines, you know, how long is Andy going to coach for? And, you know, he kind of had made that comment, um, you know, a, a few weeks ago that, you know, like I'll, I'll keep coaching until they, they kick me out or, yep. you know, until I don't love it anymore. I think that was actually just last yeah. week. What is time? Yeah. But now we know that unless he decides to retire with, with years left on his contract, which doesn't seem like something that Andy would do unless you know he has some serious health problems or something like that, which God forbid, but I mean, 67. And I would be shocked if he was going to coach another contract past that, but you know, he obviously had the ability to name his price and his number of years. And we've got Brett Veach as general manager locked up for the same amount of time. It's, it's really a cool, 
kind of capstone to an off season where both of them just absolutely crushed it, knocked it out of the park. Andy okay. with preparing for the weirdest season of football we're probably ever going to see in our lifetimes. Hopefully. Brett Veach, obviously locking up every star player on the roster to long-term deals. It's just, uh, it's always sunny in cheese kingdom, Taylor. <laughs> we picked, we picked such a good title for this yeah. podcast because it, it's literally true every day. It is. It is. We're so lucky. And, you know, Veach being 42, you know, that career in front of him is long. I mean, he could be, you know, lots of GMs and stuff. I mean, you can do that for a long time. Like we could be looking at a absolutely, you know, historic run that, that Veach could be going on. I just can't believe that there's really not one important piece to the Chiefs that isn't here long term right now like it's it's just insane to me that all of these guys I mean really I would say probably Honey Badger is is the one guy that years yep uh yeah right he would end after 2021 so yeah he's got still two more seasons and two more seasons around the NFL is a long time I, I feel like I need to pinch myself sometimes you know like this team for so long in our lives was just either almost there or not even close And when they got there, when they finally got good enough, got the franchise quarterback, got the coach, they just are relentless. They just will not let go of being the best franchise in football. And we're just, I'm so here for it. It's great. That's a neat little transition into a quick little mini roast slash dunk slash humiliation for two franchises that have not made all of the right decisions lately. First, the New England Patriots cut... Mohamed Sanu, whom they traded a second round pick for last year Oof. to acquire from the Falcons. And then of course suffered an ignominious exit in the first round of the playoffs to the Titans and now have cut Mohamed Sanu and the Jacksonville Jaguars who selected running back Leonard Fournette fourth overall in the same draft that featured Patrick Mahomes being picked 10th overall. Uh, the Jags cut uh, old Lenny Fournette, the former number four overall pick, and he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that the Chiefs are going to see later this year. It's been kind of crazy. We obviously, we've been going kind of week to week. We'll talk about this in our season preview on uh, Wednesday. But man, we play the Bucs this year. I mean, like yeah. I kind of had almost forgotten that, Huge you know, game. in the fur of will there be a season? Is it actually going to happen or not? And I mean, we're going to see Leonard Fournette. The Chiefs have never had tremendous trouble with him or the Jacksonville Jaguars. But we're going to see him, you know, getting the ball from Tom Brady, probably, you know, 30 times a game, Tom handing off old arms, et cetera. But, yeah, just a reminder that uh, even the good teams in the NFL, like the Patriots, do not always – uh, connect. They don't always hit the ball out of the park every swing of the bat. And the bad teams in the NFL, well, they keep staying bad. Yeah, no kidding. And that Bucks matchup, you know, again, the Super Bowl will be played in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. So it could very easily, and I'm sure this is what everyone will mention during that matchup, but it, it could very easily be a Super Bowl preview of you know, Chiefs going to Raymond James Stadium to play the Bucks. So um, that's an exciting one. You know, they've got Evans and Godwin and Gronk. And I mean, they've got pieces. They definitely are going to be a, and they've got a sneaky good defense. I think a lot of people have kind of had yes. their eyes open because of Tom Brady and the weapons and stuff. But I mean, they're a complete team and uh, Bruce Arians is a good coach. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be a tough, tough out. That's for sure. 
Absolutely. Well, Taylor, the final piece of opening news, let me just check my notes here. Oh yeah. Opening day is in eight days. Wow. By the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be like six days. Yeah. Yeah. We're Get recording hooked. on Wednesday night, but it, it's just, it snuck up kind of, I mean, you know, this is our 30th show of the podcast. So congratulations to us for making the big three. Oh man. That's um, amazing. And when we started it, it seemed like a long hill to climb between when we started and the start of the next season. It, you know, that's a long time between February and September, but um, fortunately this has gotten us through the, the grind of the off season and waiting and all that stuff. We kind of always had a show to look forward to and to prep for. And it, it seems like it kind of compressed that off season timeline as much as you can in 2020, which it also has felt like 10 years since the chiefs won the Super Bowl, But, um, it's it's crazy that it's a week away and we're going to have that preview show that you mentioned earlier. Um, that's going to be really exciting with us joined by Sam and we're going to go over all of our predictions and all of our, you know, just everything that we think about the upcoming season so that you guys can all sound smart around the water cooler that you won't go to because you'll be working from home. Boom. Let's get into the mailbag. First mailbag question. Yes, I put this one first in the order. Vitamin J, Bird of War, asks, who has the cutest dog in the world and why is it yours? Thank you, Vitamin J. My dog is very cute. For those of you who don't know, I got a puppy last week. She is a Pembroke Welsh Corgi. She has a wonderful, beautiful little tail. She is our pride and joy, and she's beautiful, and she's just the best dog, and she's doing a great job with her potty training. She's having hardly any accidents. She just learned how to roll over today. She's very smart. So Vitamin J, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about my dog on the podcast. If you want to see some puppy content, you can go follow me on Twitter, at Real Bird Lawyer. Taylor, you should probably give them your Twitter account as well while, while, <laughs> while we're here. While we're doing that, while we're plugging, uh, Taylor underscore Wit, W-I-T-T. You need to put Hit more dog content Twitter. out, bro. Uh, I have a great dog, and I should put more dog content out. It's uh, He doesn't really get enough love from the internet. He gets enough love from me, but uh, he's a good guy. Yeah, good old Russell. Uh, subpart to Vitamin J's question, how will the Chiefs score a touchdown on their first play versus the Texans? <laughs> so I love this question. Um, yeah. I We're going to dive into the Chiefs-Texans game more next week, but specifically says, how are they going to score on their first play? Well, their first play is probably going to be a kick return. So nice McColl. Uh, you know, maybe something cool, you know, maybe a little uh, little double return with Tyreek and McColl both back there. We haven't seen that a whole lot lately, but no. we have seen it before. And I would love to see it again. And I would really like to see like, you know, like a reverse on a return with a lateral or something in there. You know, something goofy, something crazy. They've I feel like, speed. yeah, I feel like that would be just a great way to just totally dunk on the Texans. And it would be a really fun callback to the Texans game since that McColl return Obviously not for a touchdown was kind of, that was kind of the catalyst. Spark, yeah. We well, I also called back to the Texans game, but I was thinking the first play touchdown would be a fake bubble screen out wide. And then McCole Hardman just takes off down the middle and Pat hits him over top. Exact same play that the Texans used to score their first touchdown on the chiefs. Uh, thought it might be fun to kind of throw a little medicine their way. Yeah, for sure. We got one from another bird of war, Andrew Whiteside at SAS. Would you prefer a good running back, e.g. Kamara, 
who had been rumored to be on the trade block. Now it sounds like maybe the Saints are going to work something out. Although they're also going after Jadeveon Clowney. They're, they're one of those teams that I don't understand how they have cap space, but they make it work. Would you prefer a good running back go to a division rival because it eats up cap space, distracts from more efficient passing usage, or would you rather keep weapons out of the division? Uh, for me, I mean, I looked at this question. When was the last time a big running back contract actually worked out? Like, I mean, Man. it's been a while. I mean, I guess you could Has say – Has it ever? You know, Zeke is one year into his deal, and he's been, I guess, pretty good depending on what you use to measure running. Well, sure. Lots of the guys that signed big deals were good one year into the deal. Yeah, that's fair. It's the length of the deal that's the problem. And running backs just have too short of a shelf life. So you do end up paying for it on the back end of it. Um, I, I do feel like offensive weapons are not really a concern for me. For, not at all for division opponents like especially not can, with the quarterbacks that we have in this division right now exactly right like they can get all the weapons they want they can get good running backs they can get good wide receivers they can do whatever they're not going to be able to keep up with the arms race with us so you know i would much prefer a running back go to a division rival than say a shutdown corner or something something that would really you know kind of hinder what the chiefs like to do so yep, completely for agree. me, sign up, sign up for all the big running back contracts. If Camara and anybody else who wants to go, go to the, our division rivals. That's fine with me. We've got one here from our man, Zach, the layman's terms at the layman's turns. That was a good one. He nailed that one in unison there. It's been decided that you will get to do a major crossover event with four other podcasts, but you can only pick one podcast from each genre of the following sports history entertainment and legal who are you partnering with around the nfl well, for me would be my sports podcast would be of course right off the bat um love those guys love that podcast it's kind of you know got some fun and some whimsy but a lot of good news as well uh history for me uh there's basically one history podcast that I have listened to. It's hardcore history. It's very popular and it's very, very good. Uh, the one that he did on world war one was exceptional. Go check that out. Entertainment. I'm not really sure what constitutes an entertainment podcast. Uh, so I don't, I don't really have an answer to that one. Although I did listen to an interesting podcast the other day on the dating game killer, serial killer that was on the TV show, the dating game in the seventies. So that kind of counts. That's like entertainment, right? Like, I mean, he was on TV. Uh, and then uh, legal podcast. Uh, there was a really good podcast. There's a, I guess it's a, a series called in the dark. It's like one of those serial, you know, true crime kind of deals where they go in and look at cases. Uh, the, either the first or the second season was about this guy in, I think Alabama named Curtis flowers who was tried six times and convicted six times and overturned on appeal six times. I think it was maybe overturned on appeal four times. And there were two mistrials or something like that for a quadruple (laughs) murder. It's really super interesting. He's on death row right now. And there's a, it's, it's like a terrible case. Like it's honestly mind boggling. I do listen to a lot of true crime and it's mind boggling you know, the kinds of cases that prosecutors feel like and it's the same DA that has prosecuted the case every time. So it's been like 20 years that he keeps bringing it back. Uh, anyway, they did amazing investigative reporting on that. Um, that would be, that would be my three. And then the entertainment Can one. Can you give me like a one sentence rundown of why it keeps getting appealed? Why, why he keeps getting convicted and then. Yeah. Winning and so appeals? the reason he keeps getting convicted is because he's black and it's Alabama. And the reason oh, it keeps getting yeah, overturned sure. is because he's not the, guilty. The D, yeah. He, he's not guilty. <laughs> and the D the DA is uh, extremely racist and keeps, mm. keeps striking black people from the jury, which is illegal. 
so that that was the reason for I think three of the uh, three of the convictions being overturned. Um, but anyway, the the last wow. the last run of the Alabama Supreme Court did uphold it, and now you know he's doing all his death row appeals and everything like that. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, there's there's almost no chance that he did it. It's it's terrible. But anyway, it's a really good podcast. It's a horrible story, but um, definitely check that one out. What about you, Taylor? Anything that you're listening to that you you know to our listeners? I'm not really a podcast guy, which I hate <laughs> saying in as you know in this format. But uh, I love that a bunch of people out there, um, you know, listen to them and stuff. I loved around the NFL, and for a while during the season, especially, I listened to it every week. Kind of dropped off that a little bit, but those are those guys all kill it. Um, but I'm not really like when I want to listen to stuff, it's usually music. And when I want to consume this type of content, I'm usually reading, which is That's just fair. not really. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, same ideas. Um, but no, I, I love our listeners that consume all the podcasts and I barely have time to keep up with chiefs podcasts as it is. So um, don't really branch out very much. We have one here from Capri Sun fan account at Juicy Josh 97. Going to steal a question from a different show, but if you had to pick one NFL owner to eat, who would it be and why? Provide, <laughs> please provide lots of detail. Uh, so for me, Taylor, it's an easy choice. I'm going to pick Robert Kraft, and that is partly because he has a lot of meat on his bones. He's a bigger guy. I don't want somebody that's like bony and old, like Jerry <laughs> Jones, right? Like Jerry Jones would just be like all gristly, and ugh, it would be terrible. Uh, uh, yeah. Robert Kraft, he's a uh, he's uh, lived off the fat of the land for a long time, so he. We're just here to eat some dude. <laughs> we're just here to eat some dude. Yeah, cannibalism, D. That's the the matters that are best left up to the suits in Washington. Uh, Robert Kraft would be the choice for me, Taylor. He's also a pretty deplorable human being. Reminder that Robert Kraft uh, did solicit a prostitute, even though the evidence was possibly illegally collected. It did happen, guys. It happened. It's a right. video. Like, he did do it, okay? Just because he's not going to get convicted for it doesn't mean he didn't do it. It just means that the police maybe overstepped their search warrant a little bit, possibly, or he has really good lawyers, probably the latter. But who would your choice be, Taylor? Well, I, I like the direction you went in to go with an owner that you're going to get a, a lot of meals out of, sure. a lot of bang for your buck here, you know, because you really, um, you know, he says provide a lot of detail. And I assume that means that he's very interested in the concept of, of consuming this owner. That's interesting. And, and I thought about this for a while and I figured I might as well just go with the, the most that I can eat, the, the biggest owner, sure. so to speak. And so for those of you out there that have already come up with this answer, it is obvious this owner outweighs the rest of the owners by thousands <laughs> of times. And that is, of course, the fan base of the Green Bay Packers who uh, collectively yeah. own the Packers. They are a publicly owned entity and they all, you know, it's ownership is divided among their stockholders. And I most certainly am choosing the fan base in green Bay. First of all, even one of those fans, you know, is going to be plump and, and yeah, Wisconsin, right. the diet of beer, and the beer might not <laughs> yeah. agree with you though, but the, uh, I think I could eat sausage. someone that has drank beer yeah, and not, and be okay with it. I think that's already done. It's 
done its course. There definitely would so. be a lot of marbling on that meat. They have a lot of fat content in their diet. That's Hey, man, you're the one with the hot plate. <laughs> that was a great question, Juicy Josh. We appreciate that. Uh, we got another one from Zach, the layman stand. Uh, oh, it's the layman stand now. I said the layman's terms earlier. People that do yeah. their handles, you, you guys he, are – He switches it up. You're, you're, you're screwing me up. Which ice cream is the best ice cream flavor? This is easy. It's chocolate. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> flavor does that just imply you can't do any you know i, I can't pick uh maricone dream or anything like that like is that how uh, that's fair how specific yeah, that's is because like well we can i love me ben and jerry's maricone dream i mean that's that's my go-to if i'm gonna buy ice cream to eat that's the ice cream i buy every single time um i think you're that's just talking fair. like chocolate vanilla mint you know different like flavor like classic flavors uh-huh. Chocolate ice cream is amazing. Yes, it I is. I mean, that's that's the way you need to go. Yeah. But um, if you're really getting into like brand specific, give me Ben and Jerry's American. I feel like an ice cream flavor is anything that you can eat without adding something to it that isn't, you know, part of the package. Yeah. So I sure. feel like American And that you can dream, get everywhere, you yeah, know, like right. you can I, go into any ice cream shop and order. I think you know, that's a good answer. I would say, I mean, I, so I famously, when I went to Italy in uh, high school, I went on a trip with my Latin club. Woo! Nerds. <laughs> uh, but I famously ordered just plain chocolate gelato at every place. And I tell mm. you, it was amazing every time. I mean, like, the thing about chocolate is you, you can't go wrong with it. But no. if we did want to get into, like, a specific flavor, like a specific tub that we get out, I miss the hell out of Betty Ray's living here in Colorado. If you guys have not been to Betty Ray's in Waldo, yes. it is amazing. And they have a s'more-flavored ice cream, which is just Ooh. absolutely incredible. It's Haven't had that one. It's unbelievable. And I think it's just like a they rotate their flavors a lot. But I think that they have always had that flavor. At least they've always had it every time that I've gone. When I lived at 75th and State Line, I used to pop over there pretty frequently in the evenings pop over there get me a little cone of the s'mores nice. it was great we've got one I from our studied abroad in italy in college as well and had a lot of chocolate gelato oh, so yes. i i echo your sentiments there that was a great choice i see you two are a man of culture <laughs> we have one from our man the artist chief at choreo four tell me why the chiefs can't go 19 and 0 so i can call you a liar hashtag why not why not taylor i mean they it's it's hard. I am the cheerleader here. I have been talking about nineteen and zero. Can't wait since to have Sam of, back on to, to bring us all yes, back down to, to exactly. Sam's gonna oh you know they're gonna go fourteen and two and you're gonna be disappointed, which is probably true. But um, no, I think nineteen and zero, Corey. It's in the cards. It's in the cards as much as it has been going into any season for any team in NFL history. I mean, this team not only are they loaded, not only are they in a division with six easy wins, but they. They have the quarterback, they have the coach, they have the pieces, they have, I mean, everything's in place for the Chiefs to be the favorite in every game that they play. Now, going to Baltimore with fans, I might have been a little, you know, iffy about. Going to Baltimore with no fans, give me a break. I mean, that's that's a practice. So, I um, I know I was supposed to tell you why they can't go 19-0, so you can call me a liar, but um, I ain't going to lie to you, buddy. They can go 19-0, and they probably will. They could, and they might. And they probably will. Boom. We got one from Nick Mullins at McMillan. What has been more impressive about Veach? His identification of players he wants and acquisition, i.e. Mahomes, Clark, Matthew in the draft, or his ability to be creative with the cap and keep everyone together? Uh, yes. Yes is the answer. <laughs> All of the above. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a wizard. Everything he's done, he's hit on, whether it's the talent acquisition or the retention. They've just both been – top of their game 
both of them, both, both aspects. I mean, I, it's a great question here because I don't really know how to quantify them against each other. They're just two aspects of what makes Brett Veach one of, if not the best GMs in football. And um, I think maybe for me, I would rather have the initial talent identification just because if you can't keep the guys, but you can bring in somebody that was as talented as them, you know, all things being equal, I would rather have that in, but it's a great benefit for the fan base that we get to fall in love with all these players. And then they stick around not for four years, but for eight plus years. I mean, it's uh, it's been a, a blast. Yeah. I agree that the ability to identify players is a more valuable asset in a vacuum like that. That is mm-hmm. a, a more valuable trait because even if you, I mean, even, and, and we saw it with John Dorsey because John Dorsey is the, he's like the, the half of this, the first half of this yeah. question that's really yeah. good at identifying talent. And the second part of it, the ability to be creative with the cap and keep everyone together. That's the part that he really sucked at. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, he did a good job building rosters in green Bay when he was the GM, there, assistant GM there. And then obviously building, you know, I mean, a lot of the building blocks, this team are Dorsey guys, including technically Patrick Mahomes. Um, sure. But, of course. but you're right. I mean, obviously the ability to manipulate the cap is something that, that certainly is very valuable as well. And it's great to have a GM, get yourself a GM that can do both. Why not both? <laughs> We've got one from Brian Lefebvre. Caca! <laughs> Bigger <You> scumbag. <laughs> He's always a winner to us, though. Bigger yes. scumbag, Bill Ponderosa or Dan <laughs> Snyder. For those of you not familiar, uh, you might be new to this podcast. It's called It's Always Sunny in Cheese Kingdom because of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is the GOAT TV show, the Patrick Mahomes of TV comedies. Bill Ponderosa mm. is a fictional character, which is why my choice for Bigger Scumbag has to be the non-fictional unfortunately <laughs> dan snyder who is uh just a a real bad dude in real life dude dan snyder might be a worse scumbag than if bill ponderosa were a real person so again for listeners that don't know him he gets into all kinds of you know drugs and cheats on his wife and and a lot of just crazy crazy stuff but in the grand scheme of things, the only person that Bill Ponderosa really hurts other than his immediate family is himself. And Dan Snyder has hurt an entire fan base, an entire organization. Not to the, mention the an entire like the, ethnic group. <laughs> yes, correct. Dan Snyder has been horrible to way more people than yeah, Bill Ponderosa all the could ever, ever dream to be horrible to. So um, I think this is a slam dunk no brainer for Dan Snyder. We've got one from our man, Brian West Hughes at West Zeus. I want to hear some predictions. How many regular season wins rank the AFC West? Who plays against us in the Super Bowl? Brian, stay tuned. We're going to address this on our prediction show. We're going to go through and we're going to go bang out all of these answers. We're going to give you all of our predictions so that you guys can come at us and you're going to at Chiefs cold takes and at freezing cold takes. It's going to be horrible. Honestly, I'm dreading the whole prediction making aspect, but there's only one solution, Taylor, and that is to just completely nail the predictions and get everything (laughs) right. And then people can't rub it in your face. Yep. Gonna, gonna crush it. Uh, (laughs) Our man, Peter Yadrich at Peter Wygoff. In honor of the chiefs pointing the, putting the point differential, they overcame under the final scores of every postseason game on the inside of their championship ring itself. What's the pettiest thing you've done to get back in an X while in the process of achieving true happiness? <laughs> uh, Taylor, I don't know. I've got a few X's. I'm now happily married. I, I'm, I am, I'm not, 
I was about to say I'm not a petty person. I'm an extremely petty person. But to strangers on Twitter. Exactly. But to people that I know in real life, I, I'm not that bad. All I have to say to this, Peter, and I understand this is not a very satisfying answer. I wish I had a better story. The best revenge, truly, is living well. And so going out there and achieving true happiness, that's petty enough. That's like the biggest middle finger you can give somebody. That's Frank Clark putting the ring, the engagement ring, on his middle finger and being like, booyah, you know, I, I leveled up. I, I graded up. That was a very lawyer answer of you, and I, I respect that and appreciate that. Um, I don't really I'm again, I hate saying I'm not a petty person because it seems very, you know, self-aggrandizing. And I, I, I feel that I'm not the type of person to get back quote unquote at people for stuff like that. Um, and yeah, uh, sorry, Peter. Great question. Love the th- spirit here, but pass. <laughs> pass. He's going to come out super fast and he should. He's gonna, well, that's fine. You know, I have, give us, he gives us amazing questions every week. We can't knock them all out of the park, but I, I eagerly await your next. One. I at least gave him an answer. He'll, I, Peter, <laughs> I give you permission to give Taylor a hard time about that. We've got one from Keith McLean of the Cam McLean at the clan, clan McLean. Ugh. My, my tongue was going faster than my brain there. Uh, besides Ward, who has the most snaps at cornerback after the first four weeks? We debated the semantics of this question, whether it means yeah. who has the most snaps through the first four weeks or who has the most snaps from, from five four on, on to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And actually, yeah, on, yeah. it's completely – it could actually be read either way. Uh, English is a fascinating language, but we assume Keith that you meant the first four weeks, weeks one through four of the season. And I think it's going to probably be Rashad Fenton, unless you want to count Tyron as a corner, but even then he's not going to be playing corner all the time. He is going to have the most snaps of anyone that has spent any snaps at cornerback. Right. He's going to be playing like 90 all the time, 7% of the snaps or something like right. that. Uh, but, but yeah, it, and I'm sure he asks specifically four weeks because of uh, Breland's four-game suspension. Right. So, I mean, I, I think that's what he's wondering is after Traveris Ward, who's the other corner while Breland serves the yeah. suspension? And it's it's going to be Rashad Fenton. I mean, that's unless he gets hurt or unless, you know, something crazy happens. Um, I can't imagine that at this point, this close to the season, being a week away, which is crazy, uh, that there's any other plan in place besides Fenton. We got our guy, please fix this at please fix this for crystal ball. Who time. is now an introductory <gasps> member of the birds of war. <laughs> we got to update the, uh, got to ro- update the roster. That's the, thing. Oh, yeah. we appreciate that. Please fix this. He's been contributing for a while and a, a yep. good, a good follow on Twitter. Always good for a good conversation. Crystal ball time. Beach has been amazing, but which of the chiefs top players will be the first they can't slash won't retain somewhat related Schwartz and HB Honey Badger are up for extensions or next up for extensions signed through 2021. Could you see either holding out next season if they have great 2020s? Uh, to answer the second part first, I can't imagine anybody being a true a true holdout on this team. What about you, Taylor? Well, yeah, I I mean Chris Jones was the closest that the Chiefs yeah. got in this whole yes. you know uh, situation, but. Uh, I think with these two players specifically, Mitchell Schwartz and Tyron Matthew, um, they just don't really strike me as the holdout types. There's just a lot of um, 
team camaraderie with both of them and and a lot of you know team first attitude not to say that chris jones doesn't have that but i also think that chris's ceiling was a little bit higher even though schwartz is the best right tackle in football and i still think that the best safety in football yeah i just still think that like nfl superstar status or whatever like chris jones i'm sure his contract if they all signed four-year deals chris jones would be the highest paid of the four so i mean they he certainly had the most leverage of the three and, and the most to gain from holding out. That being said, um, I, I just don't see either of these guys as the holdout types. Yeah, I agree with that. And for the first part, first or first one of the chief top players that they won't be able to retain, you know, to be honest with you, Taylor, and I mentioned this on the podcast and nobody's giving me crap about it. I thought it was going to be Travis Kelsey. I thought that given his age that, and given that these other guys, Schwartz and honey badger are kind of coming up, I kind of thought that he was going to be the guy that maybe they wouldn't get a deal done with. And then they did and made me look like an idiot. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could maybe say if we would consider Trevarius Ward to be one of the chief top players, that's possible. He's up for an extension after this year, I believe. And that could be a little challenging depending on what the cap is like. Although today uh, the, I guess the NFL signed a deal with YouTube TV to, yeah, get some additional streaming out there, which is something that is long overdue for the NFL to kind of mm-hmm. put their streaming product out there in legal ways that people can pay for. <laughs> Not Reddit. Suckers. Yeah, right. Uh, so I would say probably Ward if we're going to consider him a top player. Yeah, I, that's also part of the question is how who do you consider the top yeah. players? There are so many good players on the Chiefs. Right. You know, like a guy like Sammy Watkins that has – you know, now come back for another one-year deal. We'll be up next year. And if he goes out and balls this year, he's definitely going to be considered one of the top chiefs for sure. And he's a pretty good candidate to not come back just based on his, you know, kind of up and down track record and his crazy, you know, attitude and all that stuff. I mean, he, he for sure would be a guy that, but he would kind of have to have a good year. If he goes out and has a bad year and they don't bring him back, then he's not really considered a top player. So um, little, little semantic questioning there, but um, yeah, I, I like the answer. Um, I also think, you know, maybe a guy like Damian Williams, um, he, you know, he, he had his opt out and all that stuff. And I just don't know really where his head's out heads at as far as his contract. And as far as coming back to the chiefs and dealing with his, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, it could be a guy like Damian who I would have considered one of the top chiefs um, before his holdout. So good question though. Uh, please fix this at please fix this for, we appreciate that. Uh, we've got another one from Corio four. So Kaka, another, another quick Kaka for you. Uh, keep me out of it. Who are your favorite chief sports artists? And don't forget to give out their handles. Of course. Um, I would go with RJ, our guy at under, under R two J. He has a lot of really, really cool, um, like a, like a five image montage of some cool play or something like that. He's done a lot of really great like snapshot um, paintings. And I have one that's the, uh, I believe the banner on my Twitter bio right now. Yeah, it is of the run of Pat's run. Um, so RJ's work is fantastic. Really, really huge fan of his. So good job, RJ. Yeah. Uh, RJ is awesome. I too own some of RJ's work. Uh, I really like uh, Anthony Opreza's work. Uh, his, 
at is at AO Art Five, and the oh yeah, he's good. The OG of uh, Chiefs Art, in my opinion, Chris Sembauer, who recently yes. returned after a hiatus. Like he hadn't been posting on Twitter for a while. I wondered what he was up to. He's back and he's posting at Chris Sembauer. Uh, we both own Chris Sembauer pieces yes. as well. Yes. Very proud owners of Chris Sembauer. Yeah, pieces. just uh, he's very epic and, and yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's awesome. He's incredible. Uh, Caitlin Snelling is uh, is incredible. If you guys have seen her stuff, you probably her at is at art by Caitlin. Caitlin with a Y. She's amazing. Uh, she does colored pencil portraits, like portraits, and they are unbelievable. Uh, I do not own any of her stuff yet, but I need to get some of it because it's just. I mean, it's incredible. She has nice, and she's been branching out a little bit from Chiefs art lately. She just did one of the Rock. She did one of Michael Jordan. She's um, she's really crushing it. So she's great. Um, that's a pretty good crew. There definitely are, are others that, you know, we probably have overlooked, but, um, you know, if we missed you, you know, shout us out on Twitter and we'll try and give you some love on our next episode. Our next question. Uh, the name is a, a, apparently a Dune reference, which I haven't read Dune in forever. And oh seen yeah, it, it is a Dune reference. Isn't I've it? read, but yeah. yeah Quisach Hatterdash or, um, yeah, Mahomes sure. is the Quisach Hatterdash, uh, at chiefs rule 2019. They in fact do, uh, when will Hasbro release a replica Frank Clark middle finger or hand with the championship ring on it like Thanos <laughs> Infinity Stone Glove? Hashtag Toys for Tots. That is a killer question. <laughs> um, obviously, it should be ASAP. If they know what's good for them and they know what sells um, a Frank Clark middle finger Super Bowl uh, gauntlet, I would wear that every day. You know, we live in the age of Kickstarter. We probably could like Kickstarter this. <laughs> we probably could get funding for it. I don't know how much it would cost to fabricate toys, but now that we have 3D printers, it actually probably would not be that hard to do. We we should Kickstarter this, and we should uh, we should be distributing these action figures. The problem, of course, with 3D printed <laughs> stuff is that it it violates copyright out the ass <laughs> yes. and trademark. Yes. Um, it's amazing what you can get away with. I've purchased like uh, miniatures before on, you know, like yep. X wings and things like that on Etsy on and Etsy. Stuff. And just, yeah, yep. yeah. Shapeways. It's just a, uh, it's a, it's a massive violation of intellectual <laughs> property law, but somehow yeah. it's uh, it's happening. So, you know, we could, we could maybe make that happen. That's a, that's a good question. I hope that does happen. Uh, Chiefs rule 2019. We've got one from Mike at Mike57X. How much shame should I carry for drafting Noah Fant in both of my fantasy leagues this year? My brain tells me it was a late round steal, but I still feel like I need to make the Cersei Walk of Atonement for this. You already blasted shame. him with the <laughs> yeah, shame got gift, him with the shame gift. Which yep, is good. Yep. I, I'll be honest with you, Taylor. I don't mind drafting players from teams that I hate if they are going to be good for me, right? Like, Sure. Cortland Sutton, for example. Yes, I have a lot of Cortland Sutton Sutton shares in fantasy. I have an embarrassing number of AFC West rival players in our Dynasty League that we're both in. Yeah, you do. What were you doing? It's really weird. I ended up with um, that fast guy for the Raiders. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, yeah. And you got their other guy they got. Yeah, Um, their other guy, but not Brian Edwards, the one that uh, nobody's talking about. Lynn Bowden Jr. as the other Raider Raider that I drafted in the third or fourth round of our Dynasty startup. I, you know, 
Noah Fant, I don't know. Like, I, I like to punt at the tight end position. We actually have been getting rid of tight end in all of our leagues that Taylor and I are in. Taylor right. commissions all of the fantasy leagues that I participate in, and I sort of am like a shadow commissioner. Is that how, that's how I fancy myself. You know, I, I, I you have, have a lot, lot of say. I have a lot, a lot of, of pull. I'm, I'm kind of the tastemaker around here. You I and, uh, you pretty much goes. Nice. nice. So, commission pretty tight. Yeah, right. So uh, we've been getting rid of tight ends because they are a garbage position. We've been getting rid of defenses. We've been getting rid of kickers. But I don't know. I don't I don't think Noah Fant is going to be that good. I, I mean, you know, you probably didn't spend any draft capital on him. And if he sucks the first couple of weeks, he'll just drop him and pick up, you know, right. uh, Gary Barnage, whoever Gary Barnage is going to be this year. <laughs> You like that drop, Taylor? I do. Little Gary Barnage drop. What year is it? I know. Uh, Whoever the Gary Barnage of 2020 is, that's who you'll be dropping Noah Fant for in like week three. Uh, Jordan Scarron, caca at Mr. J 1128. Who wins in a game of Charty McDennis, Taylor or Austin? Taylor, you you did the work on this one, so I'm going to let you answer this. Well, so Charlie McDennis, again, is an Always Sunny reference. Uh, it comprises the four names of the main characters, Charlie, D, Mac, and Dennis. And they have this great long-running tradition of Dennis and D versus Charlie and Mac. And they play three levels of a made-up game. The first level is the level of mind, where they all drink wine and they do mind games, trivia, puzzles, artistry, stuff like that. And then the second level, level two, is body. And they drink beer and do physical challenges, pain, endurance, that type of stuff. And level three, my favorite level is spirit, where they drink hard liquor and they put put the teams through emotional battery and public humiliation. So then at the end of that, whoever has passed the requisite number of challenges uh, wins Charlie McDennis and gets to smash the game pieces of the other (laughs) team in a great display of just tribal rage. And so that being said... Um, I've kind of got us one clear win for each of us and then kind of a toss up. Um, I, as we've discussed before, uh, am allergic to beer. Can't keep it down. So the body level where they drink beer, just, I don't even know how I could compete in that level. Yeah, um, you, it's also physical challenge, pain and endurance, which, uh, I live at high not... altitude now, which means that I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm per se in better shape than you because I, <laughs> I live at a higher altitude. It's just yeah, that's right. science. Yep. So I'm going to concede the body round. Uh, I'm going to take easily the spirit round because I drink tons of whiskey and emotional battery and public humiliation. I just feel like just have no impact on me whatsoever. I just am that's fair. very, yeah, very that's fair. hard to shame. Um, you know, doesn't, doesn't come easy to me. So uh, I would say we split those one, one, and then mind we, we've both been on trivia teams and we have our different strengths, I guess you are much more of the academic trivia, much more of the geography and the history and that type of stuff. And I would consider myself a pretty good, um, pop culture trivia, although I'm not going to knock you, you do great there too. Sure. Um, but I do feel like we each have our strengths in puzzles and, and that sort of stuff. <laughs> if anything, I might give you the nod because of the artistry level of level yeah. one, because I hate art and everything it stands for. I just, I'm, I'm kidding, but I am not good at it is what I mean to say. But so, the, uh, the thing about the trivia and the puzzles as well, if, if anybody has seen the show, is that it, it's very unique to the gang. And so yeah. if we were literally playing the game of Charlie McDennis, it actually oh, is basically just 
always sunny trivia which honestly yeah. would be like a dead heat like i dead heat I, <laughs> we, we do that every day of our lives we're, and... we are constantly quizzing ourselves and yes. keeping ourselves in great shape i hope that geeks who drink someday doesn't oh. always sunny themed trivia i will fly if back you to and Kansas i City by ourselves we'll, we'll we'll run the table uh we've got one from patrick mccall at cfod First time contributor. First time contributor. He is. And I love this question. Thanks, Patrick. Why were none of your possible dog names Chiefs related? So, Mm. for those of you who have not seen the updates on Twitter, for now, our dog is called Molly. That could change. We wanted to name her Rosie, but there's already a Rosie in Chiefs Kingdom. Rosie the Pug. Love you, Rosie. And also, my sister in law wants to name her future hypothetical, not conceived yet possible girl child rosalie and call her rosie so we went with molly for now we could change it i did want to pitch olivia and call her Liv. that's the only girl name that i could come up with that was super bowl related i don't know how many times people tweeted me on twitter taylor after i specified that the dog was a girl and said name it patrick or name it travis or whatever i'm like guys come on yeah i mean like tyreek i'm not yeah i'm not trying to you know gender gender my puppy or whatever like you know i won't put her in a box but it is a female puppy and she has a girl's name for now i will give you guys guys the instagram handle when we come up with it so you can go check out all the the sweet puppy content she's uh she's a great dog i guess i've heard of a couple female andys yeah that's true yeah andy with an ie maybe you know yeah yeah you could could pop that on there that's true we never (laughs) we never considered that one it's not too late to change. She's, <laughs> I'll, I'll submit that as my days. my proposal is female Andy. We've got one here from PKS, Polish Chiefs fan who put us on the, the map. Kaka! Big kaka for him. <laughs> Our entire Polish fan base, I believe. For the mailbag yes. pod, hope I'm not too late. You were not. What one non-obvious thing are you most excited for in the opening game? For me, it's the post-game B.O.B. press conference where he has to explain how they got a 50-burger hung on them. Again, God, I hate the Texans. Uh, uh, that's we great. do not hate you, PKS. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. And I hadn't really thought about this really at all until you gave us the question. So I really appreciate this one. I mean, for me, obviously, I'm super excited for the game. I'm super excited to see Pat Mahomes again. I remember what it was like seeing him in the preseason last year, like the first time he came into a preseason game. I mean, the first time he came into a preseason game, period. But, you know, we had all these great Pat preseason moments over the years. There was his rookie year, you know, the the crazy rollout against Tennessee where he threw it way down the field to Demarcus Robinson. He had all these yeah. great highlights. Then the year before he became the starter, he threw the 69-yard touchdown in the preseason. And then last year, he didn't play very much. He had that goofy play against I think the Bengals where he like tried to run it in for a touchdown and got blasted and they were yeah. like all right Pat you're not playing in the preseason right. anymore like, you've, you've had enough <laughs> never bro. again you're coming, I was at that or no I was at a Niners you're game. Anyway, you're coming out at the Niners game he had that long touchdown to I think it was Damian Williams right yes little, yes yeah, that's correct little running back touchdown um I'm excited for I'm excited for Pat I'm excited for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to make his debut I think those are pretty obvious though I'm mostly excited for the three hours plus of like extended Super Bowl post game, essentially. Nice. Where like the whole the whole point of us opening on Thursday night, the reason we get to do that is because we're the reigning Super Bowl champions. Yeah, and we have obviously we have kind of dominated the headlines quite a bit in the off season too, with signing Pat to a five hundred million dollar deal and you know, extending Travis Kelsey and keeping Chris Jones and drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire and extending Andy and extending Brett Beach. And so 
I just think it's going to be fun to soak all that in and bask in it. And because it's been mm-hmm. such a weird off season, I feel like I haven't done as much basking as I maybe would have gotten to do in like a normal year. So I'm, I'm excited for that. That's my pick. What do you think? Taylor? I mean, that's a good answer. And as you know, I echo all of those sentiments as far as just celebrating the chiefs. I just think that they have gone a long time without being the team uh, in football. And now that they are the team, and we are the fans of the team. It's just really fun to be that, be in the driver's seat and have the target on your back and, and be the team that goes into the year and everyone says, how are we going to stop the Chiefs? It's just a really, it's nice to be on the other side of that equation for the first time. Yeah. Um, I think to me, it all, it always has kind of all come down to Pat. It's just no matter what else happens in football and with the chiefs and with everything else, Pat Mahomes is the most exciting ticket in football. And if he, when he goes out and continues his absolute assault on not only the record books, but on just the league and on the way that the quarterback position is played and the efficiency and how he is both a mobile quarterback and a pocket quarterback and how he just, is so young and so capable of everything right now. I mean, there is no task on the football field that a quarterback should do that he is not the best in the league at. It's incredible. And the more that we get exposed to him as just being what is, in my opinion, going to turn out to be the best football player that's ever lived, I just, I don't feel like we should take any of his weeks on the football field for granted. I mean, every week should be Pat Mahomes' primetime appointment television that's a great answer taylor we have one final question it's from one of our birds of war at brandon 422 championship swagger (laughs) so bob could have had leonard fournette and deandre hopkins and instead he got david johnson who has been injured and is overpaid please roast him some more brandon you're gonna have to stay tuned because we have The season preview coming up next week. It's going to be dropping on Wednesday, the night before the game, so that you have a full 24 hours to kind of soak that in, get yourself hyped up. We're going to have our man, Sam Hayes, at Wichita to you, Sam. He's going to be back on the pod with us. And I am certain, Taylor, that there will be plenty of roasting of Bill O'Brien on that podcast coming up next week. Mm -hmm.